Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Don, thank you for the songs. Brian, thank you for the prayer. And Rick, thank you for the words at the table. Rick. Thank you for the words at the table. And thank you all for teaching me this morning. Indeed, salvation is a wonderful thing. When we meditate upon it, it really is beyond comprehension. Uh, we do need to learn and practice meditation. Uh, to think about things, to ponder things, to ask questions of things. This is one of the best ways to learn and to go deeper into the scriptures. We continue our series, Remembering Our Beginnings, and uh, the Lord willing, we'll finish this next week, the Lord willing. And uh, we've been in the book of Acts, the first few chapters, seeing uh, our spiritual forefathers, ancestors, if you will, uh, the charge that they were given by their master, and they, uh, of course, held him in the highest esteem, he was their Lord, their Savior, and uh, he is to be that to us as well, our very master that directs our lives in all things. He gave them a message about the kingdom, this kingdom to come, and the kingdom that came there, as we saw in Acts 2, as the Holy Spirit unveiled things to Peter and the apostles about uh, the new king, Jesus being the ruler of the kings of the earth, not only head of the church, but ruler of all, having conquered death, ruler of all dominions, both this one and the ones that we don't see. You know, this is part of that message that we often leave out, uh, that we need to tell to others and they need to hear. And then uh, that mission to take that message to all those who have never heard it, throughout the world, wherever that might be. And there's still hundreds of thousands, millions in this world who have not heard that message about the Christ has come for salvation and life. Last time we were in Acts 3 and Peter and John had gone out, if you will, into the world and interacted with folks there on the way to the temple, healed the, uh, the man who had been lame from, uh, from birth, if I remember correctly. Right? Yeah, from his mother's womb. And he was walking and praising God, and all the people were amazed there. And sees, Peter seizes upon the opportunity, God having done a great work through them, to teach the gospel, this message. And this is something that we should always do when we have an opportunity to do good. We should always let people know what was behind it who was behind it, but we did it because we served the Lord Jesus, and sometimes that's all you need to say, and uh, they might say, oh, okay, or they might say, tell me more, and then you have an opportunity to speak the words of life to them, and we really have to see and know that these are the words of life, these are the words of God, these are the words that, that people need to hear, uh, sang the song there, send the light. And I was reflecting on that, just 
How many people in the world today are really in the darkness? Did you ever think about that? They really do not know the truth about why we're here, what God created, who Jesus was, where it's all going. They don't know. They are in the dark. They are just groping around trying to live this way, trying to live that way, doing this, doing that, and they're uh, basically throwing their lives away. And so we're the ones who are charged with letting them know what, what life is about, basically. It's about Christ and about the future and about salvation and about God and his love and all these, these things. And we should be happy and joyful to tell them this. It's the greatest thing, this is the greatest thing you could share with anybody. It's a lot better than the big sale that's going on at Walmart. It's a lot better than the big free drawing they're having out at Whiteside so you can get a car. It's bigger than that. And we have to see that. And it has to fill us with joy. And we've got to want to share this. And we saw that with, you know, Peter had no trouble saying, you know, let me tell you about this Jesus. He was put to death by you, you Jews, and uh, God raised him from the dead. Well, not everybody appreciated the message, and we find out that when we do that, not everybody appreciates the message, do they? They don't want to hear it. And so it happens. We're in Acts chapter 4, and we see that the battle between good and evil, truth and falsehood, God and the devil, the kingdom and the world is joined because the religious leaders come and they try to shut up Peter and John. And that's what happens. And we've got to be prepared for that. We really do. And we can't be afraid. And we can't let the fear keep our mouths shut. We've got to do what the master says. So let's look at Acts 4 here. First three verses. I'm not going to read all these verses. Uh, again, I encourage you to, you've got a Bible, read it at home this afternoon. Read it all through. They were speaking. We see the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees come, and they're greatly disturbed because they're preaching about the resurrection, and in Jesus, there's a resurrection from the dead. And if you recall... Uh, Jesus had encounters with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the Sadducees were a, a religious sect of the Jews who did not believe in resurrection, period. They didn't think anybody would ever be resurrected from the dead. And now we, they have someone in their temple because at this time the priests were of the sect of the Sadducees. Okay? That, that's that was their group. And so this was like anathema to them. This is not right. And especially in this Jesus guy who was just crucified, they're trying to say there's resurrection from the dead, and he was raised from the dead. This is one of the key things that the world doesn't want to hear. There's two, basically two of them in this lesson, and this is one. Resurrection from the dead. 
I think there are a lot of Christians walking around out there today, or even those who wear the name Christian or say they're Christian, who deep down in their heart really don't believe that. They think it might be true, but they don't live like they know it's true. Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? And do you believe that if you are in Christ, you will be raised from the dead to live eternally? If you really don't believe that, guess what? You're not going to want to share it with anybody. You, you won't. If you have doubts about that. Peter and John obviously had a little advantage on us because they saw the resurrected Jesus, didn't they? They saw him in the flesh. They talked with him after he was raised from the dead. And, hey, this is real. This is true. He came back. But you see, that's why this is written for us. They are witnesses, and they give us their witness. We saw him. And that's why they went out with this message. So we've got to decide, do you really believe it or not? Do you absolutely and totally believe Jesus was raised from the dead, and that's what he wants for you and will give you on that day? So, you know, that's a make or break. That's a make or break. And if you have trouble talking the gospel to people, you might want to go back and ask yourself, do I really believe all this? Do I really believe it? Okay. So, verse 4. Well, they laid hands on him and put him in jail. All right? Must have been late in the Well, it was late in the day. It was the third hour when they went up to the temple. Is that right? Ninth hour. Ninth hour. It was three in the, three in the afternoon. So it was kind of late in the day, so they couldn't do much. So they throw them in jail to wait for the next day to see what they're going to do with them. Uh, first time the Christians were put in jail for faith, for preaching Jesus. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, what, blessed are you, when men shall revile you and persecute you for doing good, for speaking in my name, I'm paraphrasing, for throwing you in jail, for doing right. You know, we sometimes say, well, wait a minute, that's a bad thing, being thrown in jail. Well, depends on how you look at it. Jesus said, blessed are you, you've done the right thing. You proclaim Christ... They threw him in jail. Did the right thing. You think God's going to forget about him? I don't think so. And he doesn't. We should not be ashamed if we have to stand up against people, even the authorities, if we are doing right or proclaiming the truth. We should not fear and we should not be ashamed. If Christ is your Lord, if Christ is above all, if Christ is over these Sadducees and chief priests, he is over the authorities, which he is. That's part of the, that's part of the kingdom message. So they're in jail. 
But verse 4, you know, Peter's got had a chance there to, to get some word out. Many of those who heard the message believed the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Interesting note here, that word man there is actually the word for male or husband. So we got 5,000 men, and I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of the same thing with about when they fed the 5,000. They said there were about 5,000 men, but there were also the women and children. Well, I'm thinking there's probably a lot of women here at this point also who have obeyed the gospel. But we got 5,000 men, and we see the division has started because it says many, but it doesn't say all, does it? And in fact, they were arrested by these temple authorities who obviously did not even want this message to be preached. So there's the division. There's the warfare has begun over the gospel, over the truth of Jesus. And it has continued down to this day, and it will never stop till the end of time. And we just have to understand that. Sometimes we're very disappointed when people close to us choose not to believe, choose to walk away from Jesus. We have it in our own family. Jesus gives us free choice. We have to keep praying and working, but there it is. There it is. Those who did make the choice chose to sacrifice and to suffer for Jesus and to follow him wherever he wanted to lead them. I believe it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer in one of his books on discipleship, I think it was called The Cost of Discipleship, said words similar to this, that when Jesus called you to be a disciple, that he was calling you to come and die. And really that, that's the call, to submit your life totally to Jesus and wherever, wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And if I have to die for you, Lord, then I will die for you. You know, Peter's words there when Jesus in the Gethsemane, you know, and before Gethsemane, no, we'll, we'll, we'll not forsake you, we'll, we'll die for you. And, of course, they all ran and fled when Jesus was arrested. But that is, that is the call. Give your life to him. Okay, verse 5. On the next day, we're going to have this little trial, and they bring in the big guns, all right? Annas, all right? The high priest, Caiaphas. You know, they were there at the trial of Jesus, weren't they? Yeah, they, 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 they oversaw that trial of Jesus. John and Alexander, that's part of the high priestly family. All right, they got the whole group here. This is serious, you see. And, of course, the idea is they were responsible for the conduct of the Jewish religion and, and the, what was going on in the temple. They were the religious rulers, okay? And that's why you see Jesus in the Gospels always getting in trouble with them because they were responsible for the conduct of everything that went on in the temple and for overseeing the 
the, uh, the Jewish religion and the way it was played out. And so they're, they're disturbed because they know what happened with this Jesus, that they were there, and now this hullabaloo is happening. This guy has been healed in his name, and they want to know what's going on. And in verse 7, by what power and what name have you done this? Okay? They know things just don't happen by themselves. Something was behind this, and they want to know what's going on. Let, you know, they're, they're having an inquiry, you know, like we see all these in on TV now with the Senate and the House, you know, this investigation. Well, that's what this is. What, what name, what, what power did you do this? So Peter stands up, I'm in verse 8. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the, we're promised the help of the Spirit, and the Spirit will be with us, be with you whenever you want to speak out for the Lord. Say a prayer and speak out. God will help you. I believe that with all my heart. So, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Rulers, elders of the people were on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man. Is how this man has been made well. All right. And that's why, you know, this guy's walking around. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. There's the bottom line of it. That's the truth of it. Jesus did this. And that's the message we got to say. Jesus is behind this. I serve him. I serve him because of his love, and he says love others, and I try to love others, and that's why I'm doing whatever I'm doing, to help people. We said before we don't have this power to heal, but we sure have the power to help and encourage and, you know, whatever it is that people need. And so he let them know it. And he let them know that you crucified him. And they knew that too. He was just reminding them. 11, he's the stone which you re was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. There he's talking about this kingdom, the church, and uh, this is alluded to in uh, Hebrews, I believe. Uh, it's also prophesied uh, uh, in uh, the Gospels and other places that Jesus, Peter uses it in 1 Peter. Jesus was rejected by these people rejected by the Jews. We don't want him. He's not the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God. Well, God took him and he established him now as the cornerstone and the foundation for this new kingdom. Jesus told parables about that. Quite plain in the scripture. And then verse 12. And here's the second dividing point. We talked about the resurrection. Well, here's this one. And there is salvation in no one else. Rick talked about salvation at the table. For there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which we must be saved. 
You know, we have got to start believing that one, too. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And this just echoes those words. Salvation. There is salvation. Salvation from sin, salvation from guilt, salvation from condemnation, and on and on we can go, given by God through his grace, grace through Christ. And no one else, no one else, no other name under heaven. He's just talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No other name under heaven. That pretty well covers it, doesn't it? Is given among men by which we can be saved. We can't be saved by Allah. Okay? We can't be saved by following the Hindu religion or Buddhism or any of these other ones out there. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. But that's the truth that God has put forth in this life only in Christ Jesus and in his name is there salvation. No one else. And you see, that's a dividing point. That's a sticking point. That's a problem for people today because we want the tolerance, we want the acceptance of everybody. And I'm not saying we go out and start bashing people or hurting people and if we find a, a Muslim, we have a Muslim neighbor and he's, he needs food that we don't feed him, I'm not saying that. But we don't support his religion and agree with what he believes. We can't do that. Jesus Christ gives salvation, nobody else. And again, you know, that creates the tension but the message has to be out there. That is the light. Anyone else not in that light is in darkness, you see. They're in darkness, and they don't understand the truth. So Peter tells them plain, all right? They're wanting to stay under the law of Moses now. And, that, you know, this conflict goes on here for the first uh, 30, 40, 50 years before the temple is even destroyed here in A.D. 70. This conflict goes on because the Jews are wanting to hold to the temple and hold to the law of Moses. God finally takes that out of the way and says, you can't do that anymore. You can't even worship according to the law of Moses because the temple's gone. Only in Christ Jesus is there salvation. He is Savior. He is Lord. He's over all. Okay, verse 13. Now, these Caiaphas and Annas and all the others there, they're kind of dumbfounded. Okay? Because, you know, they're trained. They're trained in the Torah. They're trained rabbis. They're priests. They observed, I'm going to read 13, observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood they were uneducated and untrained men. All right? Fishermen from Galilee, no less. Who are these guys? Where did they learn all of this 
law, all of these prophecies, where, where did they gain this ability to speak? Where did this come from? They don't get it. They're, they're, they're amazed. But then, I love this thought, and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And they had heard and had encounters with Jesus. And now Jesus, most educated, most eloquent man they had ever encountered, educated by God himself, not in any school. So they understood that he had taught them. And here again, a great lesson for you and me. This is the place to be taught by Jesus. In his word, right here. This is, this is Jesus teaching us. The word of God become flesh. The living word of God was here. This is now the written word of God. It's the same word. This is the one we need to be with. To be trained and to learn and to know him. So, they were dumbfounded. They see the man there. And they, they can't dispute it like in, in other instances in the gospel. They can't dispute this. Man's walking around. Everybody knew he, he was at the gate uh, begging for alms all the time. And they're saying, what do we do? 16, a noteworthy miracle has taken place. It's apparent to all in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. What would you do? What would you do if you were in their shoes? If you had someone in your acquaintance, in your family, or your neighbor, been lame from birth, blind from birth, whatever, and this man comes along and in the name of Jesus makes him whole, just like that, would you not want to investigate that? Find out why, how, who? What kind of a great thing this is? Isn't that a good thing? You would think they would say, that's a good thing. All it says here, they said, is a noteworthy miracle. Oh, okay. They don't say it's a good thing. It's a good miracle. It's a wonder. No. So they're not seeing that this is something really good. And so what do they do? 17, so that it will not spread any further among the people. Wait a minute, what kind of a heart do you have anyway? This is a wondrous and glorious thing, and a man has been able to walk. And you don't want it to go continue? You don't want more people to be healed in this name? You don't want, see, they weren't so much concerned maybe about the healings, but they sure didn't want this message to be taught that there was a resurrection from the dead and it came through this Jesus and the one whom they'd helped crucify. They didn't want to accept their guilt, admit it, and get forgiveness from Jesus. They didn't want that. And boy, that's a hard thing when it comes to the gospel. Every one of us, we have to accept our guilt before God, acknowledge it, 
and realize we are totally dependent on Jesus for salvation, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot stand before God on our own. It's impossible. We have to be in Christ. That's a tough one for some people. They fight it. They just won't humble themselves to accept God's gift, God's grace. It's a favor he gives. So there's a lot of, lot of conflict and, and struggle here, but as we see, th this is the way it began. This is the way it began. And it still continues today, and we have to see that and understand it and, and, and live with it. All right, where are we? 18. They had summoned them, command them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Stop talking in this name. You know, they thought they had the power. They thought they were the authority. They were over the Jews, okay, and their religion. Stop talking in this name. They thought they had that power. Well, guess what? They didn't. Not anymore. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Because Jesus had told them to take this message into the world, hadn't he? That was what they were supposed to do. People needed to hear it. Not everybody was going to like it. Not everybody was going to want to accept it. Not everybody was going to believe it. But there were some who would. And that's why they went, and that's why we go. There are some who need it, some who want it, some who will listen. And we can't be discouraged by all those who walk away. Because Jesus says, keep going. Keep going. There's another one over the hill. There's another one tomorrow. There's another one next week. Just keep going. Keep praying and keep going. They say, we can't stop doing this. We can't stop doing it because, first of all, it's the truth. It's the truth. And secondly, because Jesus, our Master, our Lord, said, go do it. People need to hear it. I want people to have life, you see. I want people to have life. If we really believe we have life eternal and forgiveness and this hope, do we not want other people to have life? You see, that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. That was a commandment that Jesus said that, that his father had given him. We read it in the Gospel of John. His commandment is eternal life. He's saying, that's what I want you to go, son, and bring to these people eternal life. And that's why we go to share that message of eternal life. Okay. They finally threaten them some more. They're released, and they go back. I'm in verse 23 here to their companions. And I'm not going to finish out the chapter here. Uh, but they rejoice. They cite uh, from the Psalms there in 25, Why did the Gentiles rage? The people devised futile things. I, lo I love it. It's from Psalm, uh, Psalm 2. You know, it's about the crucifixion. 
The Jews were lined up against Jesus. The Gentiles and Pilate were lined up against Jesus. God's laughing. <laughs> You're going to kill him? Okay, go ahead. I got news for you. He's coming back. And that's, what, that's why they're so thrilled. That's why they're so excited. That's why they're not afraid to put their life, as we say, on the line, because they know they're coming back, even if they die for Christ. It's not about just holding on to this life, but it's about serving the Lord and knowing they, there's a future out there much, much better than here. And so they all rejoiced there. 31, when they had prayed, the place they had gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. The imprisonment and the threat just empowered them all the more. You're not going to stop us. Not a little jail time. Not some threats. We got the Lord Jesus. We got the power. We got the truth. We know how it's going to come out. You're not going to stop us. And so we walk in their footsteps. I want to, I want to finish there from 1 Peter 3. Uh, I love it that Peter wrote this. You know, this is the same Peter that was here and uh, God healed this lame man through him and he, he gave this message and faced up to these authorities. 1 Peter 3, 14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. There's the thought. You're blessed. We're doing right. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. There's the encouragement, the word of exhortation. Don't fear. Don't be troubled. I'm with you. I got your back. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Is he your Lord? Is he set apart absolutely, totally, and completely as the Lord of your life, the Lord in your heart, to direct you in all of life? You've got to do that. Lord, what do you want me to do? Set him apart. Always being ready to make a defense or to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Do you have a hope? Do you have a hope? We talked about the resurrection. Is it your hope? For sure. You've got to give an account for that, an answer. Yet with gentleness and reverence. Not calling names, not arguing, gentleness, reverence, respect. But this is what I believe. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to live with Jesus forever because he was crucified. He wants this for you as well. Are you a Christian this morning? Which, uh, which group are you in? I've got to ask the question. You believer, non-believer. If you're a believer, have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been baptized into Christ Jesus? That's the way you get into Christ and really take advantage of his blood and all the, all the promises. It's available to you this morning. We're here to assist you if you want to do that. If you're a Christian, we've asked some questions this morning. You believe in the resurrection. Are you ready to stand with Christ? Do you want to take this, this
this word out there, this, this light that the world so desperately needs, and you're not afraid. You're going to let, let God help you, the Spirit help you to speak up with gentleness and reverence, but yeah, you've got you to say it. You want to say it because it fills your heart, and you want to share that joy, that goodness, that hope with somebody else. You need prayer about that? Maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe you want to rededicate your life. Maybe you just have other kind of troubles. We're here. We can pray with you. Uh, as we've always said, if you're just really uh, afraid to come forward, you're just self-conscious, talk to me or Mike or Mike or Rick or Dawn, and we can get with you. We can go do after the service. But please, if the word of God has touched your heart this morning, don't put it off. Brother Don, if you'd lead us, please.